Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, While I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. Hi, this is Mark Lee Morrison. From the podcast Low Profile, I live in Olympia, Washington with my wife and two daughters, and I support Vishkana's creative control on Patreon because I appreciate his journalistic integrity. Vish talks with a lot of artists I care about, and he never asks any boring questions. I love hearing his interviews, and as a Patreon supporter, I get to hear even more of them. If you enjoy creative control too, I implore you to join me as a sustaining contributor. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. This episode deals with matters that some listeners may find troubling. If you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts, please talk with someone you trust. You can access information about 24-hour crisis centers in your community and across Canada at suicideprevention.ca. And in the United States, you can reach the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or via suicidepreventionlifeline.org to chat with someone online. You matter. We need you here. Please take care of yourself and reach out if you need help.
Teresa Anderson and William Tyler are truly gifted American musicians and songwriters and two of the world's most inventive and versatile guitar players. While each have earned acclaim and loyal audiences for their solo pursuits, in 2020 they joined forces to create a collaborative batch of music, which led them to record a gorgeous new album. It's called Lost Futures, and after some vinyl pressing plant delays, it finally arrives into this world on August 27th, 2021, via Thrill Jockey Records. Based on its original release date, Marisa, William, and I gathered together on April 8th, 2021 for a discussion about the limiting connotations that terms like instrumental and guitar music have, being touring musicians who are grounded by a pandemic, why mindfulness is important even when there isn't a pandemic, how reconnecting at a tribute event for the late David Berman in Portland, Oregon altered their lives, William's feelings about David and their time playing together in Silver Jews, how the climate of police brutality, civil unrest, wildfires, smoke, and ecological collapse all informed the Portland sessions for Lost Futures, their respective future plans as of April 8th, 2021, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control with additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and friendly staff who will happily help you source special orders for hard-to-find titles, all of which you can learn more about at blackbird.ca. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is the 633rd episode of Creative Control, featuring the thoughtfully talented Marisa Anderson and William Tyler with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Marisa, are you there? Hi, Vish. Hey, Vish. How you doing? I'm very well. It's nice to see you both. Uh, I've spoken to each of you individually in the past uh, for this show, as a matter of fact. And it's very nice to have you here together and to talk about this wonderful new uh, record you made together. I'm going to begin with uh, podcast veteran or creative control veteran, I should say, Marisa Anderson. Marisa, this is, I believe, your fourth time or something on the show. Not that I'm keeping track. Welcome back. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I think this is my fourth time. This is my second COVID appearance on the show. Yes, yes, that's right. Second, still still doing okay. Where in the world are you? I'm in Portland. I just got here a couple days ago, but that's where I am now. Nice. Where were you before that, if I might ask? I was in Mexico. Ah, that's right. You keep a residence. This happened last time you were on. You told me you have this other sort of... Sort of residence there, is that right? Well, my partner's Mexican, so and right. she has an apartment in Mexico City, and her whole family's there, and she spends as much time as possible there, and also here in Portland when she can't be there. So for the winter, she's been there taking care of her parents and being, you know, in the sun. So I went for as long as I could. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I think that's good. What are the protocols like down there? I don't even know. Like the mask wearing kind of depends on where you are in the city. Everybody walking down the street, everybody, everybody 
as a mask. And in the little towns, it depends on the town government. Like we were in one little town where they would like approach us on the street if we weren't wearing a mask and say, like some city official would say, put your mask on. And we were in another town where nobody was wearing a mask. Every time you go into any building, any store, any anything, you get your temperature taken, they hand you hand sanitizer and you have to wash your shoes. Oh, wow. Okay. So there's a lot of protocols in, in, in some places. It's a bit yeah. random, though. Yeah. 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 Well, it's nice to have you back on the show under strange circumstances, virtual strange circumstances, I suppose. But it's really nice to see you. And uh, William, you're there. I know you're there. I see you. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, Ish. Uh, good to see you again. It's been I know we did this before at some point. Um, <laughs> I don't remember when either myself. Probably five it, years ago or something. Whenever you had, you've been definitely married. before COVID. Yes, yeah. yes. I'm all right. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, right now, and been here for the last year, pretty much since the shutdown. Actually, so yeah, just kind of riding things out. Okay, so you're kind of at home. That's where you live, right? You live in Nashville, right? Well. I mean, yeah, I do now again, but yeah. like, I, I mean, I, I moved to LA four years ago, but I was kind of like in between spells of wanting to be there last February, like basically right before the pandemic happened, like shut everything down. I had already kind of decided to give up the place that I was living in partially because I was going to, I thought I was going to be on tour a lot like we all did, but my parents are based, I mean, they live here and, and so in Nashville, I mean. So it's home, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to come back out West, you know, this spring or summer, but yeah. So I, <laughs> I guess, I don't know where I, yeah, I, I guess that where I live, I guess I, do I want people to think I live in LA? Probably. Do I actually want to live in LA? I'm not sure. Now, wait a That's minute. Do you want the perception to be that you live in Los Angeles and not Nashville? What does that say about Nashville? You're, you're saying some, I feel like you're disparaging. Your I don't know, man. I'm, I don't, I mean, I don't, I, maybe I don't strongly identify with like the cultural uh, history of this, of the place, even though it's a great, I don't know. That's, well, that probably plays into what we're going to talk about. Basically, like if you're from Nashville and especially if you're a white dude and you play guitar, like you play country music and which is fine. Like I love country music, but like, it's Nashville's home for me, but it's home also in a way that like, as much as I'm, I know I owe a lot and I, I owe a cultural and like educational debt to like growing up here and learning a lot of good things. There's a burden to that as well, especially when it comes to music that I'm not sure I feel super comfortable being in the conversation with. So I see. Okay. That's why, that's why I like, but like also like living in LA is like really stressful and expensive. So I can't say that like, I'm ever going to say that like that place is going to feel like home, even though I really like it out there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's kind of existential. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. And, uh, you know, I checked in a little bit on a maybe perfunctory level. Uh, Marisa was on the show, I think within a year, we were talking about a collaboration uh, that uh, she had with Jim White at the time. And uh, mm-hmm. here it is about a year later. And at the time that we were speaking, Marisa, you know, this, I think the, the COVID thing was just in its earliest days, if it even started. I can't even remember if we'd got to that point, but we probably had because Jim wasn't, I think Jim was in Australia or something like that. So anyway, I do try to check in with people about what this time has been like for them as creative people, as citizens, as just citizens of Earth, because uh, I, as you can imagine, I talk to musicians about this sort of thing all the time. 
Some have used this time the best they can to create things. Some have used this time to maybe contemplate archival music, recordings, you know, going through the attic, if you will. I thought I would just check in to see, because, I mean, this is lovely. We have a, a record that you made, which is great. Uh, and we, we'll talk about that, obviously. But Marisa, just philosophically, I suppose, well, what has this past year and a bit been like for you with the lockdown? Can you characterize it at all? It's been kind of extreme in a couple of different ways. Like, like on the one hand, there's massive illness and death and political insanity and existential woe and all the big stuff, you know? And on the other hand, my, my life has been very sweet and simple. It's just been like the garden and my kitchen and my cat and my guitars. And that's been really nice. And one thing I've really enjoyed is the lack of FOMO. Like there's nothing to miss out on. And it's, amazing (laughs) like I'm not looking forward to the return of activity and the feeling like I should be going somewhere or I should be wanting to be going to the thing like all of that I've been so nice to sort of be like there's nothing and on the other side of that be like oh my god there's nothing like kind of in both um it's been a super productive year for me yeah I didn't really realize that because I just get in habits when I'm home but my neighbor across the street was like, what, you have another record coming or whatever? Like um, between like the thing with Jim and then the thing with Tara Jane and then with you, William, and some stuff that I've just been working on on my own. It's been a real nice like return to the, the daily discipline without any interruption of having to like rehearse for a show or practice for a tour or whatever. Yeah, that's the thing I keep coming across is the sort of paradoxical touring musician that's actually a homebody. Uh, you know, that actually doesn't really want, isn't really missing the road that they would normally sort of be forced into. Does that capture you in some way? Or, I mean, I, I know you know. No. Exactly. Okay. I'm absolutely a road dog and absolutely a homebody. Both of those things. Right. 100%. Okay. Okay. <laughs> both of both parts of your personality. Okay. William, sort of yeah. sim- similar question. Yeah. What has this time been like for you? Is it is it forcing you inward a little bit in terms of like you know, thinking about things a lot or are you able, I've just talked to so many people who are like, I can't write. There's nothing right now that really inspires me to create. And I can't, I like collaborating with people and I can't do that. On the other hand, some people are figuring out ways to do it as we'll get into. You two have figured out a, a, one way to do it. But yeah, how would you characterize this year for your for yourself? I managed to time my midlife crisis perfectly with the global <laughs> pandemic. Um, well done. <laughs> It's been a really, really, really hard year. Um, yeah. Like, I, I I, don't know. I mean, I don't know how much of it I really want to talk about it. But, like, I'll just say, like, I I deal with pretty intense mental health stuff. It's, like, not just me being, like, difficult. It's actually, like, you know, like OCD, like, you know, like OCD specifically. Yeah. Um, not that a lot of people don't deal with that. But just, like, for me, like, touring – which is so weird. Cause like when I was a kid, like I was like, I would get really, really freaked out if like things weren't done a certain way, you know, like, yep. and it's just so weird that like 20 years later, like I fantasize about not knowing where I'm going to sleep, uh, driving eight hours to play a show to like 10 people, you know, like all the things that we do, I think touring and, and travel specifically travel and touring, of course, liberated a lot of things for me about, 
obsessive compulsive disorder and, and got me out of a comfort zone at an early age. And then I was like, man, I really, really do like this because I'm so stimulated by information. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, and Marisa said, you know, like, like being a homebody and also being a road dog or whatever, like, it's like, I can understand that I identify with that too. But yeah, I mean, you know, like, yeah, it's been really hard. It's been hard the last year because when I have negative cognition loops, you know, up until a few months ago, I would say it was even as I'm 41 and I've been in therapy a lot over the years, it was still really easy for me to get lost in those thought loops and be like, and then, you know, start feeling bad about feeling bad because you're like, well, I have it a lot better than a lot of people. And like, I shouldn't be feeling depressed. And, you know, and do you know what I mean? Like that doesn't really make you feel. And, and I've talked to a lot of friends and I'm sure Maurice and I talked about this a lot when we started making this record. It's like, you know, just because you understand that your place in the world is like just a place in the world. And if you have some insulation and privilege and it's still, you still get depressed and neurotic and it's like, so yeah, I mean, I didn't learn another language. I didn't learn how to play pedal steel. I didn't, um, I mean, I did like make a record with Marisa that I'm proud of and I made a record on my own that I'm pretty proud of. And I've been working on other collaborative things and I've done a lot of like, I like that you use the word inward. I've been, I have been doing a lot of, like therapy and just studying like, you know, crash course and inward work, honestly. Um, yeah. Which was probably really necessary, probably really overdue for me personally. Um, but like, yeah, it sucked. Like, it's like, and it's so funny cause I totally agree with what Marisa said about like, I love that there wasn't a FOMO, like at least when you're like, well, I feel terrible, but like, so not, not that everybody feels bad, but like, <laughs> you're not missing out. It's like, that's what I was saying. Like I had a midlife crisis. So did like a hundred thousand other people, you know, like, and it's, so it's like, you're like, yeah, like I feel bad and I'm depressed, but like nothing is happening. And so it's like, it's funny. Like now, I mean, we are doing part of it. Obviously, I mean, it's, it's amazing to be able to like have this, this has been on my calendar for a few weeks now. It's like, this is a thing I'm going to do today. I'm going to yeah. talk with you guys, yeah. you know? So I don't know. I'm hoping, I'm sure everybody says this, but like, you know, not taking some of these things for granted that it's pretty hard not to take for granted. Like when you're in, in the grind of, or not grind, but like just in the constant momentum of like of movement and, and especially with touring and stuff, I really hope that if any of it comes back for us or for me personally, I'm I'm just a little more patient and grateful about it um, because because it's been yeah there's been a lot of overdue corrections I think that have that are being triggered in the last year that COVID is a part of and I do have a couple of friends who like genuinely have told me like in the last year like this is this is something I always wanted to happen like not a, pa- a pandemic but like time for not having to leave the house. Like we have, I'm like, we have time. Really? I know. I get we it. We do have time. We have, we time. Do have time. Time yeah. is on our side, so to speak. I don't mean to quote that song, but it's true. Like to me, that is a real revelation. Like what I'm kind of getting at the subtext of like, what did you do or what did you feel like you could do during this freezing, this stillness is we kind of got our time back. Uh, like for me as a parent, by the way, the FOMO thing really resonates with me. My family moved from Ontario to Alberta in January. And then we were like, my kids are young, you know, nine and six. And they're like, oh, we're going to miss our friends. They're going to all be. And I also had it too. Like, oh, we're, you know, we're going to miss the 
People said, aren't you going to miss the concerts, the restaurants, hanging out with your friends? And I said, not as much as you think. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not a witch. But I <laughs> I was like, it's. I feel badly. You're talking about the FOMO thing. I feel a bit badly. Everyone is missing out. What I thought, yeah, selfishly, I thought we were going to be missing out on Ontario stuff. And uh, it's not happening. So I feel like a little bit of guilt. But collectively, I know, to your point, we're all going through this. And I don't know, Marisa, does that resonate with you that we have time that we don't usually have and that's actually a gift? Well, we always have time. It's just the choices we make around it. Hmm. There's fewer things to choose right now and fewer things to fill the time with, fewer distractions, fewer opportunities. So it's the same amount of time, but we're like forced into being intentional with our choices or realizing sort of the passivity of, you know, if you're just going to like kind of flow through time, well, you, that flow is maybe a little slower. There's not like yeah. other people driving it. Fair enough. Yeah, well, I feel like you both disagreed with me and agreed with me. That's my take on what you just said. Like, I think you agree, but it's like the time to even say what you're saying. Like, no, I don't have to go do that thing. I don't need, mm-hmm. I, I've got it. I've. I think normal times are like, I have to go do that show. I have to leave my house. I have to go do that thing because there's a community demand or a social demand. And now, like just to tie into the FOMO thing, I think there's that time of like, you know what? I don't have to do that thing. And So it's a real invitation for mindfulness. Yes. And it's a reminder about mindfulness because when things start up again, we have the same ability to choose or not to choose. We might not have the same ability to feel or not to feel, you know, but but it's an invitation for mindfulness, I think, to be like, oh, like I function well in this con- in yeah. these ways and not in these other ways. So why would I start to function in these other, I don't know. Does that make sense? I'm not saying it very articulately. No, I, but- think, I think it does. No, it does make sense to me. I don't know. William, did you want to comment on my Doc Emmett Brown time theory at all? Like, do you feel like... <laughs> time is is something that we have become like i think we're we're reacquainted with time as a concept everything seems the same but i also feel like like i'm saying like i just think we have a different relationship with time now do you agree at all or do you have a perspective on uh, that i think i'm very aware of the sense of time being well i'm also saying this like i have to say like through most of this shutdown, like I've been with my parents a lot and um, I have done some traveling, like, you know, like obviously when we made the record together, you know, but like most of it has been solitude and time has a different meaning when that's the deal. I mean, if you are balancing like a partner, uh, if you're balancing a family, if you're balancing like work from home, I'm not saying time doesn't draw out and unspool in a different way, but like, I do agree like with what Marissa said about like just the choice, the time's always there. The choice of how, of what, what it yields or like how to view it even is like, I don't know. I, I kind of personally feel like it would be really, really, really hard for me to go back to how I was dealing with time and choices and things. Yeah. Like a year ago. Yeah. And, like, I feel like if I got back to that place, that would, be not good that would be kind of a failure on my personally for for, for me you know because yep. like it felt like felt like there was some awareness like like almost like you take an algebra class and then like a couple of years later you take like an ap version of it or something you know and I'm, 
it's just like a different perception or different filter of like, oh, okay, that's actually what's going on here. That's been the helpful part of, of what's been going on for me. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, it's also just, you know, for me, a lot of it plays into like, I mean, I moved to LA right after Trump got elected and um, not really because of that, but like the timing of it was kind of interesting. Yeah. And then I came back like right when the shutdown happened a year ago. So it's like, I'm not saying like I wasn't like paying attention during like that, those four years either. Like I was obviously, I was, was, it's also an, it was an interesting time for like me as like a white Southerner to be like out of the South in Southern California with all these like aspiring creative people who were all completely caught up in our own myopic stuff all the time, you know, while Trump was president. I mean, it's just like, I just feel like there's like a lot of, I, I don't want to really go back to what, I mean, I'm not, we don't have a choice. I don't think things are going back to what they were, but. No, I'm, I don't, I don't, but that's, that's, I don't want to return to that. No, that's part of the time conversation too. I, I do think like, I don't want to go back in time to the way things were before the pandemic. I miss things about that time. I miss being able to see you two play a concert, you know, hopefully in Edmonton somehow. <laughs> uh, yes. I, I, I want all that stuff to come back, but there's other parts of it. Like, yeah, I can, I don't have to rush from an office to make my kids dinner. Like I can start anytime, anytime. Anytime. Like the, the time thing is just rolling around my head. Anyway, I appreciate you fielding these questions and offering your perspective on it. And it may potentially inform our conversation about this record, which has a temporal aspect to its title, uh, <laughs> in a sense, if you're looking into the future. Before we get into that, though, I think uh, just in terms of getting into this collaboration, I think an obvious way to start is trying to figure out how you two met. Uh, and in the first place, uh, I'm sure you were kind of va- aware of each other as working musicians. But Marisa, can you um, recall uh, the first time you met William and maybe what the context was? The first time? No, I can't recall the first time. I think we bumped into each other, you know, shows in Nashville or shows in Portland or something like, you know, and obviously have a million friends in common and social media and so I don't remember the first time. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> that, that probably worked really well for a podcast. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. I, I, okay. How about this? Let me, let me, let me sort of reframe it. What do you remember the first substantive time you spent together? The first time you had a real good conversation or something like that? I don't remember the first time of that either, but the time that led directly to making this record was in January of 2020. Um, there was, a concert in Portland for David Berman. And um, we both were invited to play there. And and then William hung out in Portland for a couple of days after that. And so I was like, come on by. And so we went record shopping and ate food and played guitar. And so that was the first time. That was like our first hangout. Okay. No, see, that's that's good intel. See, that was memorable. Not the yeah. ships in the night meetings, but yeah, that, that sounds very, very memorable. Marisa, what was your... Uh, I guess, role at that event. Were you collaborating with other people? Were you playing? Did you play any of David's music on your own? The organizer of the event is a woman named Gail O'Hara, and she invited me to play. And I declined <laughs> because I didn't know David. And I played a song. Um, okay. Gail asked me to play. I said no because I didn't know David, but she said, no, please do. And I said, well, I don't want to cover one of his songs on instrumental guitar because that would just be weird. Can I just do one of my own songs? And she said, yeah. And so, you know, 
it's, it was a song with tie-ins about grief and loss and that's what felt appropriate to me because you know fair enough absolutely fair enough i appreciate that uh william i've not um i think the last time you were on we talked about david uh, i'm sure we did knowing me and we've talked about your time in the silver jews i i would like to express my condolences to you even though it's uh far removed i know david you were close with david i i, I think it's fair to say yes yeah we were close yeah well, sure. I just i uh, i uh, think about him every day for what that's worth, and uh, literally, I sing songs to my kids at bedtime, mm-hmm. and I've been uh, incorporating uh, a couple of Silver Jew songs, maybe three of them at this point. Into the, uh, I take the guitar and I go up there and I try to sing. It's very hard to sing, like I must say, David. I don't know what it is. It's my it's my limited abilities, of course, is contributing to that, but a very unique way of. Uh, singing and phrasing things and uh all this to say yes i'm sorry and i'm sad for you how are you doing generally how are you doing without david around how are you managing with this loss um i mean i pretty complicated feelings about all of it i because like you know i don't i mean i would like david and i were definitely close um and he he took me under so to speak in a way because you know he was kind of a mentor figure i think that you know he he was he was a pretty hard person to be close to at times so and and you know to be totally honest like we'd kind of drifted apart a little bit although a lot of that was just because like he was very reclusive in the last couple years and i moved away i started talking with him pretty regularly when he was working on the purple mountains record um which was cool it was really cool to reestablish that friendship but like when he died, you know, obviously there's like a nature of that type of death that's really hard for certain, you know, I wasn't in the family. So I actually read a really incredible essay last night about someone losing her brother to suicide and the way she talked about it. Um, hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know. I He struggled with like ego, which most of us do, you know, you know, like who are creative people. And he struggled with really, really intense, like physiological types of depression that like I don't necessarily understand, although I kind of do, but like the way that kind of death happens and like the way people, uh, I don't want to say like take the grieving away from the people who actually were kind of close to this person, but like, yeah, he, he was enough of a public person. I mean, he was, he's a public person because he's a brilliant writer and, and, you know, it just felt like, like I was on tour overseas when, when, when his death happened. So I couldn't come back to the, go to the service and which would have been nice, you know, of course, especially looking back on like COVID because mm. it was, but like, I don't know. I, I've just, I guess the easiest answer, easy, the, the shortest answer is just that I've had pretty complicated feelings about his passing yeah. and the way it's sort of like, if he felt so alone, which I'm assuming that's what leads people to this place. Cause I know a lot of people who have done this, you know, sadly, and I've certainly been suicidal in the past. It's like, you're not around to see the thing that you were, you know, you kind of get it in death almost weirdly, which I guess is probably a lot of times why people kill themselves. Cause it's such an ego driven act. And a lot of times it's just about desperation. I understand that. It's just like, there is a kind of I can't I think you can sort of discern the way I'm talking about it. There is a certain kind of like dissonance in the way I feel like I talk about it because 
you know, much like Marisa was like, I, I didn't want to be an interloper. I, I didn't know David, which I actually thought was, it was really interesting that she did perform a piece of her own music at that occasion. And it was, it's like, I didn't really want to, like, of course I wanted to be part of it. Cause like, I like Gail and I cared about the event and it seemed like a, a good, you know, it was like, it'd be nice to be with people on his birthday in Portland, but you know, like I didn't really want to play a silver juice song like yeah. either, yeah. you know? And like, yeah, I was in the band, but like, I mean, it, you know, yeah. I was a guitar, I played guitar with it. You know, it's like, I don't, yeah. I don't have any ownership over and nor would I want any, honestly. So it's, I just have a complicated as you can tell, I have a complicated relationship with how I talk about any of that stuff. Yeah, no, um, and I appreciate you even uh, feeling it uh, on that level. And, and I appreciate how much his music and his writing means to people Yeah, and has meant to people, you know. And when he was alive, frankly, it was a pretty uncomfortable thing to, to talk about because like, people would come at you and be like, you know, what's he like? You know, what's It's like, I don't know, man. Like, he's a brilliant writer, you know. He's, yeah. a, he's also a guy, you know. And it's like a lot of that was my own ego, you know, probably being like, I want to express myself not with words because, you know, you're never going to write lyrics as good as that guy. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, I don't know. Sorry if that's kind of veering off a little no, bit. No, no, it's, it's fair. Just, it's just, it, it is an interesting uh, starting point, I suppose, a spark for this collaboration. So I wanted to uh, quickly, I thought quickly uh, <laughs> address it, but David does bring out people's uh, thoughts and feelings and, he, uh, I think, as you know, maybe William, like he's very significant to me, and uh, and we connected on a, something of a personal level as well, mostly over email, the odd chat or whatever. But uh, so yeah, he means something to me, and I appreciate you uh, responding to that. Just so I uh, get this out of the way, so you were brought in for that event to be part of the band, ostensibly. Like, were you like part of a house band, William, or were you asked? To... No. Okay. I'm sorry. No. No, Gail, who. I sort of had met through some mutual friends, but she, she had reached out about me being involved with it, you know, because I was like in an iteration of the sword. Right. And, okay. You know, Stephen Mountless was, was part of it as well. Yes. And, and I think and Bob. I, and, yes. Yeah. 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 I so thought, like for, yeah. it was just, it, there wasn't, there wasn't a, it was kind of interesting how they sort of like alternated between, I feel like somebody would get up and do like a poem and then somebody would get up and do a song and then, that was kind of the way the evening went. And um, I think Rebecca Gates and I actually did a song together. Mm-hmm. I can't, you did. which was really cool. That meant that mm-hmm. was actually really meaningful. Um, oh, nice. But it was just more of like a kind of a beautiful, awkward celebration, you know, kind of like a wake almost. Uh, yeah. We did the exact yeah. same thing in Toronto uh, in a few months after he passed. And it was exactly as you describe it. It was awkward. It was a variety show sort of covering his different facets people did their own stuff uh that they thought was that you know stuff david and had inspired them to make or write and uh but it was awake we needed it like there was no other way to commemorate that and and commiserate so i i had to host it and uh it helped i I hope it helped you in some way william yeah i mean yeah it did i mean it's it's yeah it was it was actually it was a really meaningful night i for, for a couple reasons that were like were not things that I would have had any way of predicting going into it. One of them, which you know, I, I really don't want to like. It was just funny because David was such a big football fan, but like the t- the Tennessee Titans, who's like the NFL team here in Nashville, which was like the really the only sports team he passionately cared about. Yeah. 
But like they won this huge, insane playoff game that night, which was the night of what it would have been his like 52nd birthday. And like they had it on in the bar and like all these people were like, why are they showing sports right now? It's so disrespectful. And it's like, and like Lance, somebody who's running the night, maybe Gail, like had to get up and be like, hey, we're leaving this on because this is actually really appropriate. Is it, you know, whatever. So there was stuff like that that was really cool. And nice. there were a lot of people I hadn't seen in a while. And like, yeah, Marisa, like I we definitely crossed paths a lot or not a lot, mm-hmm. but like. And I feel like we sort of did connect at some point in the crowd that night of the thing. And we're like, Hey, and then she was like, mm-hmm. like, why don't we actually get together tomorrow? And it was just so nice for me to be able to be like, okay, I came to Portland and I'm doing something besides this mm. thing, which was a really kind of like, it was kind of an intense hang, you know, but, but it did. So yeah, I mean, it yielded that yeah. for sure. hundred yeah. percent. It wouldn't have happened at all. Otherwise no. there's no way. Weirdly, a yeah. gift from David, maybe in a roundabout way. Yeah. Uh, I would say, kind of. maybe. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think and from Gail, and from Gail, definitely yeah. from Gail. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. Because why she thought to invite me, I still don't quite know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've talked a little bit about people's perceptions of, uh, I think we have anyway, of just music, of maybe the kind of kinds of music um, you make, uh, each of you in your respective paths. And I wonder, Marisa, I know you and I have talked, uh, we've gotten into it a little bit about uh, improvisation and composition and things like that. And I like it. I learn things from you. Uh, I like talking to you about these things. But this term guitar music or the kinds Mm. of music that you two are thought to play, what does that mean to you, per se, this notion of guitar music? Can you speak to that, Marisa? Well, the guitar comes with a lot of baggage culturally, <laughs> yeah, it right? It's a loaded <laughs> instrument, yeah. right? There's there's all kinds of unspoken rules about what you can or can't do or what you should or shouldn't have or who does or who doesn't do. You know, it's just an instrument. Yeah. Like I can think of half a dozen amazing piano players, but somehow they're not lumped together. Like it doesn't do the same thing, you know, or even saxophone players, right? It's like, oh, it's another saxophone player. It's like everybody gets to have their own identity on the other instruments. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow people who play guitar with minimal backing musicians and or minimal uh, lyrics or singing, we're all lumped together. So I guess I don't know the answer to your question because I don't know what guitar music is, but yeah. I can observe that this happens and I don't know why. Yeah. So I, I, William, I wonder if you can speak to what Maurice is describing there and also maybe speak to my question from, from your perspective about, you know, how people have uh, received the guitar music you've made. But I also wonder if you two, and I'll feel, I'll ask William first. I wonder if you two had conversations about, what guitar music uh, is, you know, what the connotation is and whether that informed what you two might do together. Um, I just, I, I imagine that sounds like a very formal, we have to have a meeting and there will be minutes and an agenda about what guitar music is and what we're doing. But have you had conversations about what you didn't want to do as much as what you did want to do? William, can you, can you feel that? Yeah. I mean, we did. I mean, we, I feel like early on there was probably a conversation about like 
try not to think of it of, of music being guitar music with air quotes and like and music with guitar driven by guitars yeah. um which is different and yeah i have pretty strong feelings about it too but i think a, one of the reasons i have strong feelings about it is because like as maurice was saying like there's this framework for things that like like as she was talking about piano i was just like yeah and now granted like i don't know how to play piano enough to be the primary instrument that i play yeah but like i always am kind of like why is guitar boxed in this way like both with (laughs) who does it or who's expected to do it or what it's expected to sound like or frankly like at this point the way people are expected to write about it or not write about it um it's just like yeah they're they're like that's what i was saying like like when i when you were asking me about nashville it's like you know you don't play music on guitar if you're from nashville without people assuming you're a country artist right like i really i actually really feel that you know like i think that's understandable but you know i don't know if that would be the same thing if it was a different instrument Hmm. and i've spent you know, as much as I know, like I have had a lot of doors open for me. Like it's like it's pretty interesting, like getting into like solo guitar driven music of different genres, like growing up in Nashville, because like especially with like people who are like my parents' age who I kinda like mentored me, like if you could you could relate it to people like well, obviously in, well, in, maybe in classical music, but also people like Chet Atkins, you know, but yeah. like but like there wasn't like this like it wasn't like this thing. I mean, like, yeah, I found out about John Fahey through like the spin alternative record guide. Cause he was like right next to Faust and, you know, like can, you know, and mm-hmm. then like that, that was someone else's aesthetic choice about putting that there. And those people still write about music a lot, but like that didn't really did John Fahey did like, he actually probably did mean something in Nashville. Cause, but like, I don't know. It was like, I felt like I personally spent a long time like playing, getting up and playing shows, usually opening for people and like not singing for 30 minutes. And like, that was like, people were just like waiting for you to start singing. I mean, just, just, I, that is, (laughs) and, and if people kind of were into it by the end and you'd never said sang, that was a huge victory, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so, I, you know, but that that's one that's one of my takes on it. I don't know. Maybe my hokey feeling about musicians is that they converse via their instruments. And uh, and I know yeah. that that that's been my experience as a musician, like you communicate because I've been in situations where you're improvising, so to speak, or like in some cases you're someone in the you're, you're in a makeshift situation. Someone calls out a familiar song. And you've never played together before. And there are witnesses who, after you pull it off, say, how did you do that? I'm like, well, it's kind of like a language. You just sort of figure it out. You talk to each other and you know you know the conventions of the song, so you play. But there is this, like, you two are kind of conversing here. Would you say, Marisa, like, you're, this is a conversation between two, forgive me if this is over flattery, but two of our greatest guitar players. Like, you are both fantastic guitar players you view this as something as, uh, as uh, of a conversation. Is that fair, Marisa? This record? Yeah. And you two collaborating generally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I view music as a conversation. That's what I mean. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. It's not separate from that. That's not a, like a distinguishing feature of this collaboration. It's a ongoing. Yes. Okay. Thing. But yeah. I do think within the context of it being a conversation, I do think that I was pleasantly surprised at, how quickly we got 
really on the same page and how, how fluid and fluent and um, organic and intuitive the conversation was from the very, very beginning. Yeah. You, your ship's yeah. in the night, but you're both aware of each other's playing, I'm gathering. Like, Marisa, were you familiar with William's work? Uh, yeah. Of course, yeah. And William, you similar? Like, were you familiar? Yeah, yeah definitely. Very, okay, so you knew yeah. where, before you got together that day after that event for David, you had a feeling for each other. You knew kind of a little bit about where you might, what your capabilities were, if you will. And I, I, I guess I, so this is Jim. Not just on guitar. I feel like I was aware of some points of William's worldview, and maybe he was in mine, I don't know, that, that were also informative. Right, right. Share literary references, art references, like interests in history and politics and travel and certain intersections. I was aware already that we kind of processed things similarly musically. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. One time we crossed paths was actually probably like almost seven or eight years ago. My sister and I used to run a music venue bar, neighborhood bar place in Nashville. And Marisa played there. I might've even done sound, but like, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do remember that like we had, like we actually had like a real conversation, like after the mm-hmm. show, like it wasn't just mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, so, and like, I, you know, I'd read interviews with her. Like I, I was very aware of the music and, 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 and somewhat aware of, of the worldview as she's saying, like, I, I wouldn't that this kind of collaboration it I think would be really hard for me to do with someone who I didn't feel a kind of emotional intellectual kinship with as well as a musical one because mm-hmm. I do think those things inform a lot of decisions it does for me personally and I know that it does for Lisa and the we the fact that we were kind of able to share that pretty quickly I don't know. Like that was that was a really nice. I want to say surprise, yeah. But like that was a that was a good re, kind of reassuring mm-hmm. part of it. I mean, I think it's uh, it's probably lucky you two are both sort of public figures. So there's interviews circulating. Uh, as I recall, it's been a few years since I've seen Marisa, but Marisa will often you'll contextualize your songs a little bit uh, yeah. and talk about them from sociocultural perspectives, wh- whatever the song calls for. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that resonated with you, William, when you saw her play? Yeah. I mean, I, I like stories. I'm trying to think of like the least <laughs> bad way to say that. I just like, you know, there's like a, I mean, this is, this is why like, I feel like there's so much freedom and, 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 and room for thought in instrumental music, you know, of all kinds. Like I, it's like, I don't even like the term instrumental music, just like I don't like guitar music, but like, you know, songs without words, music without words. Um, the impressionistic things that can be conjured up by the the artist or the performer or the listener, like being like, Oh, here's a reference that's geographic or historical or philosophical or emotional that, you know, like the association is not explicit, you know, yeah, yeah. but it can steer your brain in a way just, just as much as reading a passage in a book or something or seeing a landscape can if 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 it in a, in a successful way like so that stuff's really important to me frankly you know yeah it's, and it's cool yeah, yeah it comes through in live event like it is again i appreciate your sort of uh disdain if you will of instrumental music as a term but it is fascinating to me oh i mean disdain no, no, that's a strong <laughs> that's too okay strong. sorry I, i'm putting words <laughs> but in yeah, your mouth. Just, yeah well i just think i was just thinking about like 
like you wouldn't i don't know that was just funny i just like i'm just starting to think of like you know if you're like talking to somebody about like Thelonious Monk or like you know Mozart you know it mm-hmm. used to be like mm-hmm. it's instrumental music I mean technically it is I or, guess, or I mean like right? Godspeed you Black Emperor uh, well sure Marisa sure. Anderson <laughs> like to me these are socially yeah. conscious artists who make music that like I based on context like by them based on album artwork liner notes interviews mm-hmm. you get a sense of them and then for me anyway, as a listener, it informs what I'm hearing. So if I was to put on your record, you know, an instrumental record, if you will, a a record with no lyrics uh, or singing or whatever, I would think maybe one thing about it and it would move me in one way. But the more context I get from it from maybe seeing you two perform live, maybe checking out the liner notes, looking at the artwork, that can totally radically alter my relationship with that music on some level is what I'm getting at. Is that too facile, Marisa? I, I feel like, Marisa, you're not going to like that I just said that. Does that matter? Does what, <laughs> does what I say resonate with you in any way? Yeah. I mean, if we <laughs> like something or are interested in it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I mean, if, I, if I'm drawn to something, if I'm like, this is cool, I find out more contextually. So, yes. so yeah. And like artwork... You know, album art, album liner notes. It's not random. It's not just like, oh, we should put that on there. It's like, you know, artists choose to put or not put whatever on there. Um, it's part of everything. It. It's, it's all... like a scavenger hunt, right? Yeah. There's clues. Easter eggs, they call them. But yeah, it is. I think this music is part of a package. Like the music is one thing mm-hmm. to me, uh, you know, and I'm sure some people are like, no, we just are surf rock band. Leave us alone. You know, whatever we put it. Yeah, that's that's, fair, that's what we right? stand because for. But that's a statement. That's a statement you know? in itself. Yeah. Anyway, I appreciate yeah, I appreciate your perspectives on it. So my understanding is, so you meet and jam, if you will, uh, January 2020, and then uh, you end up. I think it's funny. I was thinking about this, Marisa. Like, I think I asked you and Jim. Like, can you two collaborate remotely? when Jim White and you were on the on the show, and I think you said, I don't know how to do that. I prefer to be in the room with someone. But my understanding is this experience with William, you had no choice in the matter, and it sort of did work remotely on some level. You did some of your work remotely. Is that right? Not really. Oh, okay. I, I thought I read that in the contextual biographical information that <laughs> came with the festival, oh, came with the record, rather. So the work you did that day... Uh, after the event for David, uh, did that spawn what we're hearing now in any way, or was that just a feeling no. out process? No. Okay. So, when Marisa did you actually begin actively working together and playing together? Well, so that day it was a nice day, and we played, and it was like obvious that things were that was fun. So that you know we we're like, oh, we should we should do something sometime, you know, January twenty twenty. It's like great, like maybe never or in a few years or you know like if the chance came up it would be great you know whatever it was like well that was fun let's you know let's keep each other's numbers you know but then yeah covid happened and you know especially at the beginning of covid was like checking in with everybody and you know it's like oh how are you doing how are you doing how are you doing and we had stayed in touch a little bit after that because we did have such a nice time like hanging so then it was like oh shit like you, your tours are canceled. My tours are canceled, you know, and it, and the conversation, I don't remember specifics, but it just, 
escalated to like, well, maybe this is a chance. Like we're both not doing anything at all and it doesn't feel good. So let's see if we can't figure out how to do something. But I don't remember any of the specifics okay. of it. I, 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 I will go to, and so my understanding is you convened in Portland to make the record, right? Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. William, do you remember how things kind of really started rolling for these sessions, uh, for these pieces? Uh, Marisa is saying none of it occurred uh, remotely in any shape or form. So you, you go up to Portland and you start playing together. Are you coming in with prepared pieces or are you staring at each other with your guitars and trying to uh, conjure things together for the first time. Um, Can you speak to that at all, William? The parameters we had were more just like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's interesting that we're like, we did this during COVID because like really the parameters we had for making the record were that we had literally booked time and paid for it with Tucker Martin and who is in Portland. Yeah. Um, And, like that was kind of a thing where like we did keep moving the recording dates. Um, Mm -hmm. But at some point um, we agreed that it was probably just better to go ahead and do it because otherwise, I don't know. It was just like, yeah. So like it was, it was your travel. It was like, right. We had it scheduled for earlier in the year, but then it didn't seem right to travel. And then we moved it and it didn't seem right again. But finally it was like, well, it's just, yeah. And like, and I'm so glad that we did it the way we did it because anything with COVID, you ha- you're, you're, you're a little bit cavalier if you're not, you know, hmm. but like, I mean, I did fly to Portland and was there for like two weeks yeah. and you know, a week of that was Marisa and I just playing and talking and hanging out at her house. And then the other week was us recording with Tucker <laughs> and yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't have any idea about what the music we made was going to sound like together you know like i mean it's a lot more composed than i don't well not not that i was expecting we we did maybe send a couple of ideas but i mean we really honestly like kind of just did set aside a certain amount of time to be in rooms together i see and that's what the record came out of you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like that's not like it wasn't we weren't doing it remotely um yeah yeah i'm sure there could have been a cool record that way but I'm glad that's not the one we made because, you know, the yeah. traveling during COVID and, you know, wildfire, I mean, it was wildfires, like the second week, I think I was there. Yeah. I wanted the week to ask, that we were in the studio. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask about the context because yeah. I don't know that you've uh, specified a specific month or week or, or what have you, but yeah, your country uh, yeah. around that time. So there was COVID going on. Uh, there was police violence. There was r- racism at its height, or something. Like, it was just a, it was a civil unrest. Like it was very fraught. Um, and I wondered if any of that did inform these these sessions or these sounds. Even um, Marisa, can you speak to that on some level? What was the timing? Yeah. Like? So we were in the studio. I believe it was the first week of September. Might have been the second week of September. And for me, you know, having been home all summer. And in Portland, where there was just a, a massive protests and police violence, and I was out in the street a lot in the summer, so there's no way that I wasn't affected by that, you know. And I, I'm not going to look at you and say, "Well, it affected me in this, this, and that way." Yeah. And here's the result of it. I have nothing to say about that, but I know that, like emotionally, it was 
on the one hand, both just like a, just a kind of horrifying, and on the other hand, a very glorious summer because it was so powerful to be in the streets, especially in the context of COVID. And some of the organizing I saw, especially amongst like younger people, I was so impressed by, and it just like I had a lot more hope. At the same time, and the context for which these things were happening is, you know, horrendous. So yeah. all, of, you know, that that kind of ball of conflicting emotions was was present. And then there's COVID reality, which means that there were no social events. There was not like things to be distracted by. And like when William was here, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to like, go out or, oh, you should go see this friend or whatever. It was like we were in retreat together, you know, mm. at my place kind of. And um, so that the week that we rehearsed, luckily the f- smoke wasn't in Portland. So we're, you know, it's summer, it's hot. So I had like all the doors and windows open and we sat outside and it was, you know, sweet Portland summer, which is really, really pleasant. And then I remember the first day in the studio, we ate lunch outside the second day, maybe. And then by the third day, the smoke was so bad, yeah. you know, it was just like, we can't go outside. And by the, by the end of the week, it was just like, you couldn't have even a window open. You couldn't have a door open. The sky was Brown. It went from, this beautiful Portland end of summer to like hellscape kind of wow. like scary, like really scary. Does that, yeah. and the news too of people like losing their houses and losing their animals and, you yeah. know. So I think, are you suggesting that like, yeah, that was the vibe in the air, literally with the smoke <laughs> and, and everything else. So this, that vibe does inform this record like it can't help but do it on some level but do you see like William do you see like the song something will come when it starts I'm really like whoa like everything else I <laughs> I'm like yeah I okay I this some of it's very pensive and it's hypnotic and it's alluring but something will come I don't know if you can remember the song I know it's been a while since we recorded these uh, these pieces but William like that song is like this torrent of I think very emotive sound whether it's guitar drone drone stuff do you feel like like we when, when i mentioned that song specifically but like do you feel like that is informed by anything going on in particular uh outside your studio yeah because i mean it's just kind of what marisa was just like there was there, the studio became this almost like literal insulation from mm-hmm. you know well i mean i guess it always is but like yeah like like she was saying, like, I mean, the, by, by the third or fourth day we were in there, I mean, you, it was just this brown haze. Yeah. I mean, it, it was really, it was really pretty intense. And I, I hadn't, insp- I guess I did experience a wildfire season like that a little bit living in LA, but it was different. Um, yeah. And I know they were having, I mean, it was bad up, up the whole West Coast, um, you know, but we were, you know, we were, especially with a lot of like environmental things things that we had, the two of us had talked about, like within the context of just within the context of like reality, not necessarily in the context of like it being a week where there was like a bunch of wildfire. I mean, that's just, I think these were like conversations we'd started having pretty early on um, in regards to like history and sense of place and stuff, like kind of as we were becoming friends. So all of that, like absolutely informs the direction of the music for sure. And I don't know if that piece in particular, it's interesting you brought that one up because that's like, I mean, it, it does have. 
It stands out. Would a, you would you agree it stands out maybe? Yeah, well, I mean, Marisa like brought mm-hmm. kind of that was like an idea that she presented as like uh you know, kind of like an explicitly like I want to do something with this piece. I, like you know what I mean? Like I don't know what this is going to be, but like we need to have something like this on the record. And, <laughs> right. Which is which is I I was like, yeah, I'm down totally, you know. And I still don't know what that sounds like, which is great. That's good. I think that's a good thing. Right. Um, and uh, it doesn't like when we were doing the credits for it, I had made pretty good notes about what, what everybody, I mean, I guess we both had, but we were like making notes about I what didn't. everybody, what, <laughs> like, you know, cause we were like, look, let's be honest. Like the people who are actually going to buy this record, like most of them are going to be heads, you know? So sure. let's like, yeah. let's actually list like what type of guitar and what type of stringed instrument. And we were like making the notes for that one. I was like, did we even have a like? I know she played electric guitar on it, but it was like there's all this stuff like dulcimer and like ukulele. I don't know. I can't. It's just whatever it sounds like. Yeah, whatever. A lot like, of textures. The, yeah. The co- blackberry cobbler context of whatever it is. Anyway, it's <laughs> it's, it's cool. That was fun. Yeah. But like, but you know, like so that, but like that song, um, Hurricane Light. Because that was another piece that Marisa brought to the project, like pretty much kind of fully formed or written or composed or whatever. And, um, but like, I, I think the, there was a day that we recorded it where she had said something about the light outside because of, because of the storm. I mean, because of the wildfires and the storms, yeah. you know, there being some sort of aspect of light to the sky that was like foreboding. And like, I think that was kind of where that phrase came from. But so there were like things like that were, that were definitely informed. And, and I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this is something you were going to ask, but like, you know, like the, t- <laughs> it's kind of funny because like the title lost futures is like a fairly well-known among people who not know Mark Fisher, the writer, like who's it's a cultural said, theorist, I believe. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like it was a book that my manager and buddy Ben had let me borrow because like he was like, have you never read this guy? Because I think a lot of his theories about culture and music like you would jive with, you know. Yeah. So I just had it with me when I was in Portland with Marisa and it found its way into being like a song title that we just both liked as, as a piece of music. And then, you know, a cool phrase. And it, it, it does imply something for sure. But I almost kind of feel like what it implies is a little, it should be different probably just out of necessity and just because of what it, what it actually is about. Well, at least for me, it's probably different things to both of us, but it doesn't necessarily evoke like what that writer, Mark Fisher was specifically talking about with his concept of what lost futures were. But like, for sure. I mean, it's like hard not to think about all those kind of, very charged things, so to speak, you know, like in the context of last year and when we, when we recorded in. Well, I mean, when I hear the phrase in the context of your record and the timing of when it was made, I mean, Marisa, when I hear the phrase lost futures, I think of all the lives that have been lost due to the various calamities is an understatement, but Mm -hmm. like the various things that are going on, like all I can think of is all the people we've lost to police violence, to rioting, to this Obviously, this pandemic, does that resonate with you on any level? It does. But for me, Lost Futures actually resonates more with the people who are still here, but the opportunities that are denied them rather than the people we've lost. Right. Yeah. Okay. 
That's a fair point. Which I mean, which like having read his writing about about it a lot, you know, like not to not that it needs to be like tied to Mark Fisher, although like since he's no longer here, it's kind of an interesting conversation. His whole concept of it was a little more actually was closer to that. There's sort of like he called it the cancellation of the future, you know, due to cultural neoliberalism or whatever. <laughs> but right. I mean, like I think, but I totally agree with what, but what you're saying about like you know people who are here having something yeah i don't know I, I, it's interesting that like that fish that you there's a double yeah i think there's a double it meaning to it there's a double meaning to it in this context i guess is where i'm coming from uh because those lo- lives lost also alter the futures of those mm-hmm. who stay behind For sure. right For sure. so I did, all of our future yeah 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 I'm being mindful of the time here, and I appreciate all the time we've spent together, so I don't mean to wrap up too abruptly. There's more maybe to talk about, of course. I didn't even ask about the collaborators. I don't know, Marisa, do you want to briefly talk about... William was talking about some of the uh, notes he made <laughs> about uh-huh. <laughs> different instrumentation, but you did bring in some people to... Uh, you two know, people. Two people, yeah. yeah. Can you yeah. Talk, talk about them a little bit? Yeah, we brought in my friend Gisela, who is a violin and viola player. And she's, she's an incredible musician. Um, I've played with her a bunch just socially, you know, at parties or whatever, and also observed her playing. And she's one of those people that has just a perfect ear and whatever she chooses to do. I always like it. Um, (laughs) She's, she's a Bolivian woman and she was in the, like the Bolivian symphony orchestra or something before moving to the States and getting her PhD and something very smart. And so she was, I, the record would absolutely not be the same, I think, without her parts on it. It really, like, even though it's only a few songs and some of it is subtle, it, to me it's so beautiful. And then the other person who came in and played was Patricia Vasquez Gomez, who is also my partner. Um, and she played an instrument called the quijara, which is the, the jawbone of a donkey. Um, it's a traditional instrument of Southern Veracruz, of the music of Southern Veracruz, and actually, one thing I learned very recently is that in the Americas, only two countries use this instrument. One is Peru, I think, and the other is Mexico. Yeah. Um, the job of donkey and with a wooden stick and you scrape it, but you also hit it. It kind of gets a vibra slap sound when you hit it. Are you um, scraping against the animal's teeth? Teeth. Yeah. The back. It's like right here. Oh. You scrape. Yeah. And then you hit it. So if you can picture... There's like the you know the the front is flat and the back is like where the jaw the lower jaw hooks in yep. that's where you hit it in the back there and it rattles the teeth. Wow. Okay. Uh-huh. That's to, where the rattle sound. Is there a, is there a, a solo for this uh, instrument on the record that I can home in it's on? It's on it's on um the edge of the world. Right. Uh, it's it's the percussion sound. Oh. On okay. That. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate that insight. That's 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 fascinating. Um. I, you know, uh, William invoked the heads earlier, and I want to ask a heads question, maybe. I, I do think it's monumental to have two such gifted guitar players working together in this capacity. And I know this might be an awkward question because you don't want to overflatter the other one or whatever. But <laughs> I do think that sometimes when you, whenever you work with anyone, you end up learning a little bit about your own practice um, and your own playing and your own whatever. So... To kind of wrap this up in in a, in, a, in a sense, I guess I wonder if each of you can talk about what you kind of took away from the session and this collaboration in terms of maybe your own playing uh, or like, whoa, hadn't even thought of that. Whoa, this person 
blew my mind about this one little thing. I never even thought to do that. Do you have any instances like that? I'm going to go to William on this one. Just, I, I feel like he might have something to say, but I don't know. What do you think, William? Yeah. <laughs> I thought, well, no, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to say more than that. Um, <laughs> we have to go. Thank you very much, William, for that no, insight. It's, it's uh, all right. <laughs> this is great. This is like, this is like, uh, it's like family therapy. It's not therapy. Never mind. It's a bit of a, it's, um, it's the opposite of an airing of grievances. It's an airing of flattery. Uh, no, and, I love that. I yeah. love that. It's yeah. true. Yeah, I mean, I, I I look up to Marisa in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, one thing about playing together in my own plane that I wouldn't have thought about if it hadn't been sort of for her presence and her guidance is like space, like, um, and I don't mean like minimalism, but like actual space, like, like the spaces between notes and certain like hand habit things, like as a player that like, so much tone coming out of the way you hold and and fret the guitar (laughs) like which like i is something i hadn't thought about in a really long time and she taught me a lot about certain kinds of melodic decisions and certain kinds of like editing your decisions different kinds of repetition also like you know it's interesting we didn't really do I'm sure we will because we did the first time we played together, but we didn't really do any like actual free improvisation like on this record or even in the sessions, as far as I can remember. So I feel like that's kind of a whole language or conversation, conversational aspect to the way we play music. That Well, I'm not super comfortable with improvising in general, but I, I love doing it. But hmm. I mean, a lot of the things we did together were, um, I want to say composed, but they were rehearsed. So like she walked me through certain things, like certain movements and certain like things that like were, it was cool. Like it was just like breaking down music in a really spiritual architectural way as we were building it that like, I, I wouldn't have had the focus or the patience for if it had been me. I would have done it differently. Of course, you know, we do things differently with different people, but yeah. I don't know. It's the perspective that she helped have helped me have as a player that I respect, you know, also it's just really, really cool. It's, it's, it's amazing. Like you don't, for me, it's like, you're not, if you don't do this to learn things from other people, like, you know, why are you doing it? You know? Well, it's, it's precisely why I like interviewing people. Cause I like to learn about not just them, but the world and, and me and, uh, and myself, I end up like, Oh, I do that. Or I should do that. Or maybe I am not doing that enough. Like I, yeah, that's exactly why we go out into the world, so to speak as much as we can these days. I appreciate uh, that, William. And so far, I'm glad I asked that question. Marisa, do you have uh, <laughs> any thoughts on, on the original question about you know what you took away yeah. from the session? Yeah. I mean, one thing that was really nice about playing with William is that there are no bad ideas. He's never like, nah, I don't want to do that. Like, there's never a bad idea. And maybe, you know, after you try something and it doesn't go anywhere, that's mutually recognizable. But I loved that. And then he also got me to do, there's like one song on the record that's nine minutes long. And like, I don't touch long form stuff. I just don't in my solo work. I don't go there, you know? So yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, nine minutes long. <laughs> and it's, but it had to be like, the song only works if it's nine minutes long. And so I think that's, I, I really, I liked that. Like he kind of opened up, opened up some, some thinking about long form stuff for me, as well as he got me to play, some solos, which I never do, but um, 
there's a couple there's a couple songs where I'm soloing kind of kind of shredding or something I don't know which I'm really <laughs> shy to do I don't I don't like doing it um you're not, the, you're, not, song. You're, you're not the most showy person I find you I, I know you have the <laughs> think? This, well you have this a tremendous ability and I know it's within you so I that's sometimes what you get when you work with people they push you they see things in you maybe that yeah you don't. he did yeah he yeah, did yeah. he pushed me because I was like oh you know do a little shredding or something and I was like ah, okay this is so uncomfortable <laughs> but um it was right and then also I don't go into like territory that might be considered rock ever and I think that there's like you know, a little bit of that, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. So there was some, some definitely some new areas for me. Yeah. yeah. I really do hope I, I, do, do, I, I don't do a lot of minor key stuff. Oh. Which has been so, which was kind of like one of those, you know, like every year you like wake up and you're like, I got a New Year's resolution for, I'm going <laughs> to lose 20 pounds or whatever. Like, my New Year's resolution for a couple of years has been like, write more songs in minor keys, which I didn't technically do on this record because. I followed her lead on, but the yeah. point is that there's more modal, whatever. Yeah. That's no, this is uh, I appreciate that. I hope the heads appreciate it too. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I want to, I want to see this. I mean, I'm a head too. I use that term with very mutual love. I, I, no, I, I know. I'm I, I'm, I'm saying it. I don't mean it in a bad way. Yeah. No, <laughs> no I, get, I, I didn't either. I get what yeah. you're, I get what you're, what you're saying. Uh, so I want to, uh, I, I know it's very hard to talk about the future. Uh, in this strange time. But I do want to ask you both about uh, future projects. Just ahead of our conversation, William, I was sent, finally, a download to your new album, uh, which uh, I just got it, so I can't I can't tell you what I make of it or anything, but congratulations on this uh, new record. Uh, when is that? What, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sorry, normally I'd say, what are your future plans? I didn't mean to undercut this. I kind of know you have one future plan. You have a record coming out. Uh, of your own. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? I think so. Which, is it New Van Exos? <laughs> yeah, yes, it's the one on oh. Merge. Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. Sorry. So Can't even no, keep no, track no. of how many records you've got coming out. That Who is this guy? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, that's yeah. the one I just got. That was, yeah. The, so that's actually, like, that came out, Um, sort of came out, like, digitally a year ago. Oh, okay, actually, that's probably what it was, yeah. But, right, we, so we did it for Bandcamp friday with merge yeah right but but they're doing it they're graciously doing a vinyl a vinyl oh okay see this is what um, I, I was looking through my emails for it. i'm like i swear i was told about this in 2020 but then i got an announcement saying it's finally yeah. coming out so i, I miss okay i clued i didn't clue in sorry but, but no i mean but it's it's cool it's because it's like it's cool for me because it's like it's um from a solo perspective is like where i've my head's been going a little more like more a little more like ambient a little more like texturally ambiguous you know i don't want to say low fidelity but like i'm i don't know there's a lot of decay and loss and hmm. ghost ghostly kind of stuff in it that i feel pretty like it moves me not it doesn't like that stuff it's just it's a cool thing so like it's cool that that's a direction that you know I'm I'm a little more interested in exploring, I guess, but uh, okay, but that's that's what that is. It's not it's not it's not new music. Um, okay, the vi- then, the vinyl yeah. the vinyl issue is coming out when? I think June. Whenever Record Store Day is. Oh this right, year, okay. Which I think is June. Okay, but but um, but did but, I uncover something? Do you have something else coming out that I wasn't supposed to talk about or know about? No, no. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean it. I mean no. But like, um, 
No, we're talking like Maurice and I are talking about doing shows together. Oh, um, you're talking about doing absolutely. shows? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, we actually oh, literally we're talking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're planning to get together like yeah. this month <laughs> to, yeah. to play live before some kind of audience kind of thing. It's a secret. Yeah, this is not it's the an place- unannounced secret. Okay, unannounced secret. Of the- I don't even know mm-hmm. when people are going to hear this because I feel like the album we've been talking about. Is not coming out till what the end of the summer or something August or something. Is yeah, that- it was originally going to come out in June, yeah. but uh, the, I think the vinyl pressing plants are all oh yeah they're all messed up. So yeah, it got pushed to August, which I think is much better because the further down this year we go, the closer to being open. Yeah, and the more possibilities for playing. So no, we're definitely planning to like hit the road. Okay. As soon as there's a road to hit. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. Okay. As soon as they build the road. <laughs> as soon as they build the road, we'll be on it. We have to, we have to invent the wheel. <laughs> yeah, totally. We're building the car. <laughs> as we're speaking, for those listening, as we're speaking, it's like early April. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, it's closer to the August release uh, of this record, uh, Lost Futures. So just keep that in mind when you. And we will have played a couple of secret shows. Right, there will be uh, secrets have been revealed by the time you've heard this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, the plot uh, will have. <laughs> no, that's fine, uh, Marisa. Sort of similar question then. Uh, beyond your work with William, do you have other plans or things you can talk about, or is everything a secret? Are you working on things? I am working on things. That is all I'll say about that. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Other plans, other things happening, of some sort. Yeah, but yeah. you know, honestly, this record is the focus of my year and also this collaboration, which I mean, it could outlast, you know, it could be a more than a one record collaboration. I hope so. I kind of have that, the seeds of ideas for that too going on. So I'm I'm focused on this right now. Great. Okay. Excellent. While still working on things because I always work on things like that's just what I do. Yeah. So the record is called Lost Futures. It's available via Thrill Jockey Records. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, I wonder if uh, just to wrap up, uh, I wonder if each of you, uh, do you want people to follow you, uh, like your stuff? You know, where can they <laughs> keep up with your individual pursuits or your, I guess, Thrill Jockeys, where they can keep up with this record and all information via Thrill Jockeys uh, yeah. socials and all that stuff. But uh, William, if people want to kind of keep up with what you're up to, uh, do you have a recommendation in this age of social media and whatnot? Yeah, I mean... Uh, my it's my I think it's my Instagram and Twitter are like Wonder William Tyler TN like so wherever I go I will be tied to Tennessee which is <laughs> fine um, and my internet connection is unstable I love it when it tells you that it's like yeah everything is unstable yeah um, it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's like just like un, unneeded doom there um, poor choice of I, words by the Zoom people yeah unstable yeah, yeah. what are you insinuating. <laughs> Do you like, don't you like that when the, well, I guess, yeah, whatever. I hate talking about social media, but there's that thing on Twitter when like, when things don't load and, and it just says like, something's not right. It's yeah. like, yeah, dude, I know. It's, <laughs> that's a whole conversation. What's not right is that I'm staring at this little <laughs> Yeah, it's exactly what I'm on this thing. You like, have no <laughs> idea, Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, totally. Okay, well, you're on. So yeah, William Tyler TN, if people want to keep up with you. Uh, and uh, Marisa, same question. If yeah, uh, Marisa Anderson music on all the platforms, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But I will say that I am best at keeping things current on Instagram. That's... And I will say, if you search my name, it has one S in it. Everyone keeps saying that uh, about Instagram, but I had a conversation with the artist uh, Azita from Chicago. 
And she made an interesting point because I was just like, fucking Facebook, it's a, it's terrible. I don't like it anymore. And I barely go on it. She's like, it's sort of weird that they've got us all talking less. I'm like, what? <laughs> She's like, I'm like, yeah, everyone uses Instagram. She's like, yeah, that's kind of weird. Like, they basically were not, Facebook is where you would talk to each other and post things like text. You can do that on Instagram, but it's sort of odd that they just, all the discourse is now kind of gone. Like, we... We reject the textual information on some level. It's not quite why I don't use Facebook as much, but I do think that's interesting. Like, I think a lot of people do use it less because of, obviously, its corruptibility and data mining and all sorts of things. But then, as I will point out, Facebook owns Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) There's not really a ton of difference. Anyway, okay. All fair. I appreciate this. Uh, I want to go out on a song from Lost Futures, and I wanted to see if one of you if not both of you, if we can come to consensus, if we can choose a song together and maybe explain why it came to mind, uh, that would be great. I'm going to go to William uh, first because I know Marisa will be like, I don't know, whatever. That's just my reading. Uh, to Correct me if I'm wrong. William, can I probably you- would have just thrown it back at you. That's exactly. <laughs> I, I've done this before, fourth time. I know what I'm in store for here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, William, can you start, start us? Can you choose a song from Lost Futures for us to go out on and, and explain why it came to mind? I'm going to choose At the Edge of the World because I think it's a good synthesis of, of things. You know, it, it, it's like, you know, it has all the collaborators on it, as Marisa kind of talked about earlier. And it evokes a lot of different styles. I, I feel like it, it's very much like Maurice's like piece of music, you know, um, in terms of like she wrote the melodic sections, you know, like, but it allowed me to be the counterpoint. And then there's like, there's room for my voice in there too, you know? So I think Mm -hmm. it's a cool summation of something that wouldn't sound the same if it wasn't us together. Mm -mm. It was very much a duet. And it was based on ideas that I'd had forever, but could never turn into anything. And it's one, you know, to go back to your previous question about what we might've gotten from the other person, you know, that's a piece where William's willingness to just go anywhere with something. I was just like, dude, I have these, these phrases and I can't get them to be one thing. And so without him, it wouldn't have been a thing. Hmm. Okay. So it's a true collaboration in that sense. I appreciate what you're saying. And and this song actually follows the one I alluded to uh, earlier, Something Will Come, and uh, it's in a weird way. I don't know what to say about it other than I'm transported as soon as it starts Uh, because I've been in the Something Will Come zone, and then this starts. I'm like, okay, all right, this is a little calmer. (laughs) I'm going to chill with this one. All right, this is good. All right, anyway, enough about me. Uh, Let's play it right now for people from their beautiful new album, Lost Futures. Uh, This is At the Edge of the World, by Marisa Anderson and William Tyler. Uh, Marisa, William, I really appreciated this time with you. I hope you enjoyed it, and I wish you the best of luck with everything in the future. Thanks, Vish. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Vish, thank you so much. This is such a like great opportunity to have to talk and listen. Honestly, so really appreciate it.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, it was fun to go back to April of 2021, even though as I'm speaking to you, it's August of 2021. But I think everything held up. Nothing too dated there. Everything was pretty topical, I think. I don't know. In any case, thank you very much once again to Marisa Anderson and William Tyler for returning to the show and for appearing uh, this time on the 633rd episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you're looking for an episode, but it's not on your player, you know, for some reason it there's 633 episodes, and sometimes they only go back around 300 or something. Anyway, if you've heard about an episode that predates whatever you've got, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, all of this is totally, totally possible. You just need to go to my website, vishkana.com, and everything, almost everything you desire, everything you desire in the context of this show should be there. I'll put it to you that way. You can like Creative Control on Facebook if you wish. You can also follow the show on Twitter. You don't have a choice in that one. I was going to say if you wish, but it's sort of mandatory. It's mandatory for you to follow the show on Twitter, at Vish Creative. Or you can follow me directly on Twitter or on Instagram. Both both places, same handle, Vish Khanna, at Vish Khanna. Also visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation. $6 or more grants you access to exclusive content. Uh, from my back catalog of audio, mostly audio interviews. And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, please message me on Patreon and I will get you one while supplies last. I have to send one off to someone in, I think it's the Yukon. Someone from the Yukon asked for one. So I have to get to the post office ASAP. Anyway, thanks. Patreon.com slash Creative Control for stuff about that. Thanks, speaking of thanks, thanks again to the fine Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music, which you can learn more about and place special orders at, in fact, blackbird.ca. Also to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. If you want to learn more about any of those places, look to the podcast description. They should all be hyperlinked, except for on Spotify, which they pick arbitrary links to include and not. I don't know why. Thanks always to Jim Guthrie for letting me use music of his on the show. He's a friend of mine. You can learn more about him at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you very much for listening to this episode with Marisa and uh, William. If you like, subscribe to the Creative Control Podcast. Tell your friends to do the same and talk about it. Spread the word about the show. Uh, Marisa's been on a bunch of times. William's been on at least once before. 
these kinds of people end up on the show. So if you like what you've heard today, come back. And other than that, I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.